Hello everyone, my name is Luke Betteridge and welcome back to the InBay podcast and another episode in our Cyber Anxiety series. I'm joined by my series regular and very good friends Daniel Welling and Simon Butler. Thank you for joining me guys. Um, before we kind of get started on this week's topic, let's just have a sort of quick round the room of what everyone's been up to in the last month. I know we've just had Easter. Has there been anything interesting or any interesting stories out of the last couple of weeks that you guys want to share with us in terms of the IT world or something going on at home? Well, I, I can speak for Simon and I uh, because we, we both attended the um, uh, the much heralded uh, British Touring Car Championship MSP meetup event uh, oh, nice. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, the weather wasn't very kind to us at Donington. Um, it, was, it was rainy and cold, but uh, it's the second event uh, that, that we've uh, we've organised and, uh, and and went really well. Uh, the the operation of it uh, far improved. We had some great interaction from from the audience and uh, yeah, really looking forward to uh, Brands Hatch on the sixth of October. Uh, shameless plug, um, where one of our partners will be in Bay. So look forward to to having you having you along to Brands Hatch. Brilliant. Looking forward to that one already. <laughs> Sounds good. So. Today's topic is um, email delivery and what we like to refer to as the Holy Trinity. So I'm going to hold my hands up now and say that I don't know a huge deal about this, but I know, Simon, you are our resident expert on the subject. (laughs) So what I'll do is probably hand over to you, Simon, to kind of, I know you gave a great analogy to us before uh, we had this call. So I think it'd be good to maybe start on that, the analogy around what email delivery is, and maybe if you can give it a bit of an overview of the kind of the three types of email delivery. Okay, so uh, the analogy that uh, he's referring to is uh, driving around with your car headlights on during dusk doesn't help you, but it helps everyone else. And what we're talking about here today is what we call the Holy Trinity of DMARC, DKIM and SPF. So starting uh, with SPF, because that's the oldest one of the uh, three, and that stands for Sender Policy Framework, Uh, sort of started to come out um, in the early 2000s, so it's quite an old um technology if you like um it uses exclusively dns records it does not require the uh, email server to support anything um for sending email anyway um basically what you do with that is you list what servers are allowed to send email for your domain so that would include things like your primary email platform of the 365 for example plus any marketing or um other services that could send email as your domain See, there are drawbacks with that because it's only IP addresses or DNS uh, names. So if you've got everything behind the same IP address, that could still allow um, a compromised machine inside your network to send email as your domain. So then we move on to the next one, which sort of at the time was sort of seen as a competitor to SPF, but when it actually came out, it works very well alongside, which is DKIM, which stands for Domain Keys Identified Mail. Um, And what that one does is it actually signs the email message. So again, uh, you put um, the public key into your DNS and when the email is uh, sent out, uh, that uh, the, the key is uh, used to sign the message, which means in the combination of the two, you can say this IP address or DNS name is allowed to send email and the server that's actually sent the email is allowed to send email. So obviously we had these two things. They've been both been around for 10, 12 years at the point that the third one came out, which is called DMARC, which stands for Domain-Based Message Authentication Report and Conformance. Lovely uh, log acronym there. And uh, this one came out about uh, 2012. 
something about that. And what that does is to tell uh, recipients uh, of the email what to do if the message fails a test on SPF and or DMARC. Uh, there are um, uh, two, well, th three uh, parts to it. One is basically do nothing. Uh, second one is quarantine. And the third one is reject. Um, and then the other part that it can do is uh, report, which uh, literally sounds exactly what it is, which is where the receiving server can send um, a predefined uh, email address, also stored in DNS, a report of what it did with the messages. Uh, these are designed to be uh, going to um, a computer, if you like, uh, to be read by a machine rather than read by a human because they're an XML file. And these messages can then uh, be created into a report that the email admin can see and allow them to identify whether a server is um, behaving itself, whether someone is trying to spoof, um, whether there is a uh, concerted com campaign going on um, to spoof. But it can also, which is where it helps MSPs, is it can help identify where the shadow IT going on, where a marketing team have, for example, set up some marketing service to use the domain not told the IT team and they appear in the DMARC records. So that's basically what the uh, what the three elements do. Uh, we work, we use all three elements to improve the deliverability of a client's email um, so that we have uh, the emails being delivered in a reliable way, but also so that we have knowledge and insight as to how well the deliverability is taking place. So if you're an MSP who hasn't really delved into email delivery before or kind of any of these kind of features, what would be your advice or the best way to kind of get started in terms of setting up the kind of free types of email delivery? Okay, so the first thing I always do these days now, obviously, is I set up DMARC reporting. Even if you've got nothing else, you just set up the reporting DNS record. Um, it can take, you know, like a week before you start to get anything meaningful. So it's one of these things you can just sort of set it up and then, to get about it for a week. Um, and the early, easiest one I use right at the beginning is the one from Postmark, which is um, a free weekly report. And um, they create the DNS record for you. You put it into your DNS, and then you can see what uh, what you get back. Um, that's completely risk-free. It won't do anything to impact your email deliverability because it's literally just the report element of the DMARC report. You can then start to think about um, doing some more uh, more of the advanced stuff. For example, if you're using Office 365 um, and you're sending all your email out through Office 365, you can enable DKIM um, and Microsoft will give you the DNS record to put onto your uh, into your DNS um, and that will allow the messages to start to pass that. That's quite straightforward. Again, pretty much risk-free. If you are using any third-party uh, services, you can also ask them if they support DKIM. Uh, most of the big boys uh, do, like SendGrid, Salesforce, etc. They'll have instructions on their website on how to set up DKIM. DKIM will be um, an additional DNS record. You have a DNS record for each um, key pair for each service. And then you can start to look at SPF, and that's a little more involved because you've obviously got to collect all of the mail services up together because you can only have one SPF record per domain, so you've got to collect them up. Starting with DMARC, you know, it's literally, uh, you know, four or five minutes, um, probably per, um, you know, per network. You know, once it's done, you can, you know, you can forget about it. Um, you know, you can have all the reports coming to the same email address and all this sort of stuff. So you can consolidate it. 
um, on the associated uh, blog post for this podcast, I've got some strategies that I've used um, for deployment on, on, on to make it so that it's very easy for an MSP with multiple domains, multiple tenants to actually set it up in a way that's easy for them to manage. Ultimately, further on down the line, you can start to use third-party services that are multi-tenanted, that are designed for MSPs, who can take all of these reports and, and generate, uh, you know, something nice that you can show to the client and sort of say, you know, this is what is happening to your email. So I guess a, a good question for me is, there have been any kind of common misconceptions or maybe common mistakes you've seen with MSPs or IT companies implementing this? Well, obviously, what the, the major problem we had at the beginning, um, and one of the one of the sort of the barriers, if you like, to the um, uptake of uh, SPF and DKIM in particular, was the fact that a lot of our mail admins weren't really interested in it because it had no impact on their inbound spam. They were only interested in things that would um, reduce the amount of spam that their users were receiving, because that's obviously where the most of the pressure was, which is why. The analogy I used at the beginning about uh, car headlights comes into play because a lot of this stuff is not really helping you for your inbound email. It's helping everyone else to see you, to see your email. The next common one is where we get, particularly where um, the the company doesn't necessarily have an internal IT person, where they just um, put in the DNS record that's been um, issued by maybe a bulk email provider. So they started to use SendGrid, for example, or one of the online CRM tools who say, you need to put this DNS record into your DNS to allow emails from our platform to work properly. Um, What all these providers have in common is they'll provide you with the complete record, which pretty much includes just their servers. So I saw a a service, uh, sorry, a server from, um, a client a couple of weeks ago, which was set up in such a way that they were basically telling the rest of the internet that the only email servers that were allowed to send email for their domain was those belonging to, I think it was SendGrid at that time. So they had not got their Office 365 tenant listed anywhere. So what I tend to say there is that start, you know, start off with your primary email service. So if you're using Office 365, Microsoft give you the records to put in as part of their onboarding process. Follow that and then build on top of those records um, to uh, to put on a, an advanced records. You know, it's, it's all documented on what you need to do it. So you get lots and lots of these services. You know, you can start to have problems with the length of the DNS uh, record, but there are ways around that. But you need to get started somewhere, and, and Microsoft do, do a very good job on getting those initial um, DNS records in place for their uh, for their tenants. No, brilliant. No, that sounds spot on. Um, Daniel, I was just going to ask you um, from your side, from maybe kind of the financial side, is there any way that you can kind of, you know, implement this that's going to have any sort of, you know, financial um, implication or assistance with the MSP world? Uh, yeah, great. Great question, uh, Luke, to focus back on the on the commercials. Uh, if there's anyone listening that's not uh, not technical side of the business, they they may have started to, to tune out. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think this is a great opportunity commercially, both from a, a new business perspective, as well as uh, a, an account management, existing account perspective as well. So um, to put my new business hat on for a moment, uh, if I was uh, uh, talking to a prospective customer, um, uh, DNS records is absolutely one of the things that I'm going to look at um, before I have a conversation with them. 
because from those DNS records, I can tell whether they use uh, Microsoft 365 for their email. Um, I can see whether or not they have DKIM records and DMARC records, and immediately I can demonstrate um, if they are not following best practice. And that cast out on whatever they're doing at the moment or their incumbent, and it's a it's an opportunity to uh, to move the conversation on. Um, the uh, commercial opportunity, if you're an ex if you have an existing customer, is uh, uh, this this is something that needs to be done. Um, so there is a there is a time charge. There's a benefit for them doing it. Uh, there's a there's a time charge to be made, um, and and it's not it's not a particularly big or onerous activity. So it's the kind of thing that that can fall fall through a budget hole quite easily. Um, and uh, and so yeah, I, I would say um, any MSP should should be doing both of those um, because if you're doing it from an account management perspective, you're going to be thwarting any potential new business suitors from your competition. Um, so you know there's a double reason for 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 doing it from from an MSP's perspective, both in terms of winning new business, uh, revenue generation, and uh, uh, and also defending against uh, attrition. Uh, well, and of course, the fourth thing, it's good for your customer because it probably means that they're going to get their, their email delivered to their customers, prospects, suspects um, far, uh, far better than, uh, than if they didn't have it. Oh, that sounds spot on. And like you said, that's exactly what this is all about is making sure that your email is being delivered successfully. That's kind of the, the key to what this is, is making sure that your email is delivered successfully and it's received and it isn't put into your customer spam or anything like that so it's, it sounds simple obviously it's, it's very um, more much more complex when you get into the the nitty-gritty of it but that's simply what we're trying to achieve here and ultimately I think we were speaking about this earlier as well um, it's a case where actually if it's implemented incorrectly that can be more detrimental than, than not having it at all I'm not sure if I've got that right implementing it incorrectly um, mm. is is worse than uh, uh, worse than uh, yeah implementing it not at all so yeah <laughs> you either do it right uh, you do it uh, uh, you don't do it at all or you do it wrong so wrong <laughs> doing it wrong is the worst is the worst version um, but again from a commercial perspective um, most MSPs are selling to non-technical buyers yep. and therefore to be able to package this up in a in a story in a scenario in a case study um and and to explain exactly that you know there are these records that you should have it helps you deliver um email um but beware you, you can do it wrong um and again that that then reinforces the uh the the concept that that that, that um that end user should be should be going to a reputable professional uh, provider to, to help them with their IT. Yep, definitely. And um, just to let everyone know, there will be a blog post that comes out alongside this podcast where Simon's put together a bit more detail about the, like as we said, the holy trinity of email delivery and put together some best practices and a bit of advice on how you can implement it yourself. So before we round off, Simon, do you have any kind of final thoughts or any last words of wisdom for the audience around this? Um. I don't think so. I think Daniel sort of summed it up. Is that I, when I look at a new email platform, the first thing I always look at, particularly if the client has reported me at mail deliverability issues, 
is the DNS records to see whether they are they are set up properly. And you know, so often it, it is it easy to it is easy to make mistakes. This is the because you know we're using so many different email services, so many different vendors now. It's not like the old days where you just threw everything through your Exchange server and, and be done with it. You know, there's so many cloud services. You know, various marketing things, your CRM, your payroll, your accountants. You know, you could be sending your invoices out through one thing. You could be sending out your payroll through something else. And they all want to send out as your domain so that you know you get you know an email that appears you know to be coming from the business. Um, and so it you know it, it's, it's just keeping on top of it. But obviously that's where the MSP comes in. You know, it's keeping on top of all these things and the MSP having a good communication with the customer that you know when they implement a new payroll system, the MSP goes and says, right, you want to send emails to domain? We need these DNS records. And then, you know, updating, you know, their clients' DNS records to take it into account so that the DMART reports are um, are coming back and showing that the emails are being delivered exactly as they want. You know, all companies want to be able to have their invoices delivered, for example. They want to have their, you know, other important correspondence actually delivered. And implementing these correctly significantly improves um, that, um, that, abil that ability for them to be, uh, to be arrive where they need to. No, exactly. Um, Simon, Daniel, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And for anyone listening, if you have any further questions um, around this topic, then please feel free to reach out to any of us and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Thank you very much. appreciate your time again. Thank you. Bye.